You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rico Mohammed coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, and you are listening to the Rates and Lanes podcast. Tonight, I'm going to start off by jumping into the USDA truck rate report. Then we'll move over and talk a little bit about the uh, EAT trend lines report. And what I'm trying to do with by these two reports, when we start off every show by with this report, we're trying to help you connect a couple of dots so that you can identify potential hot area markets that you want to get you in your equipment to so that you can potentially exploit some um, spot market uh, you know, exploit the spot market so that you can get a better rate for your truck. Um, <clears throat> by trying to use the USDA and uh, truck rate report, will help you indicate and show that there are different areas where reefers are going to primarily be focusing on getting refrigerated freight. And they will not be competing so much with the dry vans for the uh, <clears throat> dry freight. So that, that way... Um, it helps each segment to kind of help stabilize and drive up the rates a little bit more in those particular areas of the, of the country. Of course, when you're dealing with the spot market, you, uh, as we've discussed previously before, you know that you are actually dealing with a very rapidly changing marketplace. It changes almost overnight. So uh, these reports are ending. The, actually, the USDA report ends on June 9th, ended on June 9th, which was yesterday. So it's a little bit more current as far as what the uh, what the capacity may be like in in the uh, in those those particular cities, but the USD I mean the um, DAT trend lines report of course that's a week old report, uh, but it helps you to help um, makes you help helps to uh, identify the rates that are going on right now in the spot market so that you can kind of try to. Uh, get a feel for if you subscribe to some of the other tools that DAT or even uh, Internet Truck Stop has as far as knowing about load densities and load-to-truck ratios, you can kind of help. It, it helps you to kind of help also uh, adjust your pricing on the fly to uh, accommodate for that little bit of lag time in between each one. But having some information, is, of course, is always better than having nothing at all. So with no further ado, let's talk about this week's uh USDA truck fruit and vegetable truck rate report. And um, I will try to post a link to this report on the Rates and Lanes podcast face- Facebook page so that you can go and check it out for yourself. And in this week's report, if you've ever seen it, it comes like in a little bar graph. Uh, it's broken out into a bar graph. And there are no markets that are showing a shortage this week, none whatsoever. There are only two markets that are showing a slight shortage. And those two markets are San Luis Valley, Colorado, and Eastern North Carolina. Those are the only two markets that are showing a slight shortage. Uh, Every other market, except for two other markets, are showing that they have adequate supplies of trucks. So this kind of means that the bar, the the playing field is kind of level all across the board. We can talk about different things. If you have any questions about any specifics as, as to load the truck ratios in specific areas, Feel free to hit number one, and we can uh, we can try to pull that information up for you and, and give you some assistance on that as well. Um, the other areas that you might want to avoid are showing slight surpluses are Minnesota, North Dakota, and Central Wisconsin is showing a slight surplus of trucks available in those marketplaces. So again, we barely even touch on. Uh, a lot of the information that is in this USDA truck rate report, they have each market broken out in the report, in the detail section of the report. They have each market broken out, and they have what they call destination cities in these reports. And they tell you, coming out of one of these particular markets, they'll tell you what the rate is showing going to a particular destination city. The only caveat that I have to... Um, extend to you, the people that are listening in to this podcast, is the rates that they show on, that they have on their reports are fluctuated, uh, are inflated at best. Um, I'll give you a quick example. They have right here, Mexico crossing through Nogales, Arizona. 
the destination city of Atlanta, Georgia, they're showing a rate coming out of that area of $5,000 to $5,200. Now, if you are on the spot market and even if you're dealing with some brokers, there's not that much, um, realistically, there's not that much being moved right now in that particular lane at that rate. I uh, don't know exactly. I've called USDA and, and asked them how do they get their reports, and, and they basically just rely on um, a number that someone gives them. So I, I believe that you have some brokers or, or maybe even some carriers that are providing USDA with that there's no way of, of vetting the information that they got. I think they're just providing them with really inflated numbers, and um, they're trying to trail if you're not aware of what's really going on in the marketplace. So that, with no further ado, that is the, uh, we'll wrap up that part of the USDA truck rate report, and we'll move quickly right on over to this week's DHT trendline report. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and the trendline report for May 31st through June 6th, we've seen band rates jump five cents. Last week, reefer rates rose four cents, and flatbeds edged up one cent. Low posts surged 36%. And truck posts were up only 5.5% compared to a 20 to 25% increase expected in the full first week after the Memorial Day. The extra pressure may have been related to the road check inspection blitz. And that's also a good topic that we might want to uh, tap into for this week as well. What did you actually see last week for road check? Uh, I know I ran all week, uh, did not have the uh, pleasure of getting inspected, but um, I did see some enforcement going on. Um, didn't see much. Didn't see much going on as far as rates were concerned. Um, partially due to my direct customer that I service, but um, when I do work the spot market coming back from my, for my direct customer, I didn't see. Um, I was not able to really just take advantage of the uh, of the road check road check weekend as far as getting astronomical rates. But if you did. Please call in, by all means, please call in and give us uh, give us some feedback on what it is that you saw. Um, so let's go into the National Van Demand and Capacity Report. For the vans, van load posts were up 32% in the first full week following Memorial Day, uh, 20 to 25% increase in both load and truck postings. This, would be, this was expected because of the additional workday, but truck posts were up only 7.5%. This may have been due to road check the 72-hour inspection blitz. May capacity tightens by 7%. Load availability declined 17% in May, and capacity tightened 7% compared to April for an 11% decline in load-to-truck ratio compared to May 2014. The ratio fell 12% from 2.9 to 2.5. Moving right along, going to tap into the U.S. fan rate. <clears throat> the U.S. fan rate for May 3rd, 31st through June 6th. After weeks of stability, the national average rate rose five cents to $1.90 per mile for vans last week, including a one cent uptick in the average fuel surcharge. Rates, uh, the average fan rate for the month of May fell one cent compared to April, but rates held steady between $1.85 and $1.86 throughout both, throughout both months. The total rate was down 13 cents compared to May of 2014 due to a 20 cents drop in the fuel surcharge. And um, if you go, if you ever take a chance to take a look at the USDA, I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, DAT trend lines report, some of the stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm reading to you over the air, it'll show you you'll see a bar graph on how the um, fuel surcharge dipped from last year to this year. And it also show you um, how the spot market was uh, fluctuating all across the board from last year to this year. Uh, this is really interesting to look at it on a, on a graph example. But really quickly, we'll talk about how the different segments of the country have fared as far as rates are concerned. Starting out in the northeastern corridor, we have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania checking in for the northeastern part of the United States showing an average of $1.82 per mile for dry vans. Atlanta, Georgia checks in as the southeastern representative 
showing a $2.17 per mile average coming out of Atlanta. That is actually tied with another market we'll get to later on in the report. Um, the Midwest, Chicago, Illinois is the representative showing an average of $2.02 per mile coming out of Chicago, Illinois. And the um, central part of the United States, Dallas, Texas, is the representative city showing a $1.88 per mile. And Los Angeles, California, shows it tops, it, it ties the uh, $2.17 national van rate average coming out of Los Angeles, $2.17. So Atlanta and uh, Los Angeles were the two best places to be with dry vans on average coming out with uh, $2.17 per, per mile average out of those particular areas. Moving on to the U.S. flatbed demand for May 31st through June 6th, flatbed load availability rose 38% in the first full week following Memorial Day, but the truck capacity added just 5.5%, resulting load-to-truck ratio climbed 31% from 29, I mean 22.9%. 30 loads to truck. Flatbed ratio up 30%. Load volumes for flatbeds fell 3% in May, while capacity was down 1.3% compared to April. The resulting load to truck ratio fell 1.8% compared to May of 2014. The ratio declined 43%. So let's move over and look and see how U.S. flatbed rates fared for this past week. The national average rate for flatbeds added one cents, two dollars and nineteen cents per mile, due to the increase in average of fuel surcharge. Rates rise one cents in May. Flatbed rates increased one cents in May compared to April. The total rate of two dollars and eighteen was seventeen cents below the national average of May 2014 because of a twenty-one cents drop in the fuel surcharge year over year. Taking a quick trip around the country, starting out in the northeastern corridor, setting the high water mark, by the way, uh, Harrisburg shows $3.48 per mile on average for flatbeds. Atlanta, Georgia, checks in for the southeastern representative, shows $2.65 per mile on average. Rock Island, for the Midwest representative city, shows $2.71 per mile. Houston, Texas. South Central representative showing $2.24 per mile on average for flatbeds. And Phoenix, Arizona rounds out the report, actually setting the low water mark, showing a paltry $1.91 per mile coming out of Phoenix. Moving right along on over into the U.S. reefer demand. Demand for reefers increased 37.5%, and capacity lost 1%. Following the shortened Memorial Day holiday, a 25% increase in the low board activity is generally expected after a four-day week. The national load-to-truck ratio surged 39% from 5.2 to 7.3 loads per truck. Loads were down uh, in May. Reefer load availability declined 4.5% in May, but capacity also declined one7 compared to April. The load-to-truck ratio slipped 2.8 from 6.1 to 5.9 compared to the unusually high demand of May 24th, May of 2014. The ratio fell 28%. So let's move on and check up and look at the uh, U.S. reefer rates for this week. And for May 31st through June 6th, the national average rate for reefers added another $0.04 cents last week $2.23 per mile. Rates continue to trend down in Florida, but outbound rates are rising along the Mexican border in Texas and Arizona. Um, these are areas, of course, like we talked about before when we talked in the USDA report. If Where the hot markets for reefers are would probably be a good place for dry vans as well because now you don't have reefers uh, kind of leaching off of some of the dry van capacity you can uh, get a little bit better rate for your driver in certain areas because now the reefers are not going to be so interested in moving a dry load. They're going to want to try to get a higher rate for that reefer. So that's just another tidbit note for my ladies and gentlemen that are out there moving dry vans. Uh, reefer rates up seven, seven cents in May compared to April. 
average of $2.12 compared to May of 2014. The national average fuel surcharge fell 19 cents and the line haul rate rose 5 cents for a 14 cents decline in the total rate year over year. Going quickly, checking in across the country for the national reefer rate, spot market rates for reefers. Elizabeth, New Jersey checks in showing an average of $1.86. That is the Northeastern Corridor representative. Uh, Lakeland, Florida, just to show you how bad rates are falling off, uh, is the Southeastern representative showing an average of $1.89 per mile coming out of Lakeland, Florida. Um, Green Bay, Wisconsin is the South Central representative showing a $2.70 per mile average. And McAllen, Texas, showing a $2.09 per mile average. And Fresno, California, shows a $2.38 per mile average coming out of the West Coast. So that would wrap, that pretty much wraps up this week's U.S. Trend Live report. Um, I see we got a couple of people in, in queue. They got a couple of questions. We'll wait till we get those screened out. We got a call screen tonight. Um, but if you, if you seen anything last week, that's one thing that I wanted to discuss. If you seen anything happen last week, as far as with the road check and everything, what was your experience? Did you experience out there on the spot market? Did you see any uptick, the surge in rates? Um, like I said, my, my view has kind of been a little bit, um, a little bit, Compromise because I'm not running as much spot market freight as I once was, um, so I don't I'm I can't speak with the total authority on that. I'm just one of curious as to what did you guys see out there. Give us some feedback on what it is that you saw and and some of the things that that took place last week when you were negotiating some of the rates that you were trying to get last week. And also, um, I want to see if I can't get up my uh, hot market maps. I want to try to also point out some different areas in the country that you guys might want to uh, look into exploiting on the uh, spot market. And let's see here. All right, we're waiting on them to get, get them screened out. And wanted to talk about Got an interesting report here. I want to talk about 13 different things, tricks for helping landing your first customer. I had a little report here that I was wanting to pass along, and I'm going to uh, post this up on the Rates and Lanes uh, podcast Facebook page as well. Some different interesting little tips that you can use to try to help you um, in your search to try to help build out your customer base. I'm going to try to post some more helpful tools on that. Also, trying to get more likes up on the uh Facebook page for the Rates and Lanes podcast so we can try to get more information out to you. We're going to start trying to post more articles during the week so that you can um, have more information at your disposal, more pertinent information that you can get to and begin to start to build your build up your toolbox, your toolkit to arm yourself when you're going out to talk with different customer representatives to also arm yourself with different information that is going on out here in the truck market, out here in the actual market as far as trucking is concerned. Um, there are a litany of, of different information sites out there. We're going to try to help put more stuff at your disposal in one place so that you don't have to look all over the place to go get it. So we want, hopefully want to try to make the uh, Rates and Lane podcast page on Facebook. We want to try to make that your go-to destination spot for um, some good industry news. So let's see. We have... Bruce in Illinois. Let's go to Bruce over in Illinois. Good evening, Rico. How you doing, Bruce? Hey, who's your call screener? I'm not sure which one of them young ladies down there screening calls for me tonight, Bruce. That's either one of my daughters or my wife's one. Oh, boy, I'll tell you what. Don't let them have the microphone or you're going to lose your job. They've got a lot better voice than you do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you were asking about comments or about the road check last week. And right. I had a I, I was in Kansas City delivered Friday morning and I started working the internet around seven thirty or eight looking for load out of there. And no joking, TQL I had posted my truck 
in Olathe, Kansas, where I was, and TQL called me about every 30 minutes wanting to know if I was interested in running a load from Olathe, Kansas to Canton, Michigan. And I told them already on Thursday in the afternoon when I got there, I said I had a price, but and I told them what it was, and, and they... They didn't laugh at me, but I, the guy said, well, that's awful high. And I said, well, I really don't want to go to Canton, Michigan. Well, make a long story short, Friday morning came, and they started calling me every 30 minutes or thereabouts, every, and, and a different agent every time. They tried the, you know, you need to do this for us because, <laughs> you know, and, and they, they, they had one young one woman call me, and she tried to put the sweet talk on me, and Another guy called and says, man, I've been able to raise the rate. I got the rate all the way up to $1,500. Well, that's the number they had thrown out already the day before. That that's Oh, that's the number we run this rate at, this load at every week. You know, and I was right. I was asking for 1800 or 2000 And they kept calling me. And one of them guys, probably around 10 or 11 in the morning, told me, man, there must not be a lot of trucks in Kansas City. Well, I got that impression already. What's that? He was trying to set the expectation. Well, he made that comment. I thought, you know, I'm kind of getting that feeling that there aren't too many trucks because you guys normally don't call me more than once, and if I tell you no and, and tell you my price, and they're not close. They don't bother calling me back. Well, they called and kept calling and kept calling. And finally, about 2 o'clock, there was, I noticed on one or both of the websites I get loads from, DAT or ITS, another broker had a, a load going to the, from the same town to the same town. I thought, man, this has got to be probably the same load. And so he actually called me, and he said it was a one-pick-two dropper. And I said, okay, well, it wasn't quite the same load, but he asked me what I had to have to run it. And I said, well, I was going to want $2,000 because it was a two-stopper, and he added about another 75 miles between you know, the two destinations. And he said, well... Do you want to take it? I said, why? He says, well, I'm desperate. I can't find anybody else. And I thought, really? And he, I go, well, yeah, I told you my price. And I said, if, if, if that's what you're willing to pay, I'll take it. And so I took it, and he says, I will never, ever work road check again. I'm going to tell my boss this week I'm taking vacation. And I oh. thought, well, the interesting thing was, as soon as I had hung up the phone, TQL called me back, and the guy was acting really, you could tell his, his tone of voice had changed from being arrogant, and we're going to set the market to, can you help me out? Well, he said, you still got that truck in Olathe? And I said, no, I moved it about five minutes ago. And he goes, oh, too bad for me. And I go, yep, you guys would have given me my money four hours ago like I was holding out for. You'd have had your load covered. But, you know, you try to lowball somebody and play hardball, and for once, I got the better of them. Now, this week, it's just the opposite. The rates are back down to pre-DOT week, you know, where levels are lower. So, but I thought that was kind of interesting that this this broker told me that he'll never work road check again because it's been nothing but a battle trying to find trucks. So I thought it was worse the end of the week after road check was actually over than, than actually during it because, you know, I didn't see anything happening at any of the inspection stations that I drove by. It was business as usual or business with them being closed like they normally are. Oh, man. All right, but I'm sorry, but I, I had another call. I had another call come in, uh, and I, I had to. Unfortunately, I had to click over. It was my shipper calling me. So I was talking to yeah, I, I did, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, they 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 called and got a, got a little bit of a problem going on over there. So I'm gonna have to head over that way in a little bit. But I'm trying to uh, try to squeeze out a couple more minutes here on the podcast. I don't I don't want to cut the guys short or anything like that. But but for okay. the most part, 
I got to hear, I got to hear uh, uh, most of your story. Um, for the most part, for Road Check, you wouldn't, your experience was that pretty much like Where we always heard. You, you, you've been able to, you were able to get really good rates. Well, I was on Friday. Yeah, the the week of it, on Monday and Tuesday, the rates were nothing that I could brag about. But then on Friday, the I, I was able to push them up beyond what you know was probably the expectation. It, you know, for the brokers, they had to pay a little more than what they were thinking they were going to have to. But come Monday, it was back to normal rates again. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's kind of been the unfortunate thing. And now, as far as this year, since I got you on the line, Bruce, this year, what, yep. you, what has been your experience uh, on the spot market? Because I, I know you run a, a good bit of spot market freight. Um, what, what has been your experience? I know last year it's kind of just blew the top off of everything that we've kind of seen here in the past, but this year things have kind of come back down to earth. And, and generally, um, what, what, what's in your estimate and your estimation we were about halfway through the year. What do you think? What do you feel? Um, where are we at this year? Well, we've heard it said that trucking is the canary in the coal mine for the transportation in our economy. And the canary is dead. I mean, there is, I have noticed that, you know, last year you could post your truck and 30 minutes you could have all the calls you wanted and take, take whatever load going to wherever you wanted to. And, for a, for a reasonable rate, you could get it. Now, I'm working four or five hours, sometimes six, seven hours in a day trying to cover my truck after I, you know, get unloaded or the day before if I can have, if I have time to stop and shop for a couple hours for loads. I've had to make a lot of phone calls, check on a lot of loads, and, and just weed them out because there's a lot of... There's a lot of cheap freight, and once in a while you can find a diamond in the rough and actually pull something for a decent money, but you got to work hard at it. It's not like it was where you can just, you know, make a phone call and set your price and go trucking. So are you seeing some areas um, are a lot better? Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to lean on you guys a, a little bit more when it comes to these things because I'm not running all over the country as I once was. Right. Um, what are you are you seeing different things in different areas? I know the reports that I'm seeing. I'm still seeing some areas that are still showing like pretty hot markets, but uh, it's one thing versus having uh, information here, looking at it on the computer, and actually having a signed and paid uh, invoice that that mm -hmm. that validates that validates that information. <laughs> well, I haven't been in the Chicago market very much in the last two or three years, but I've been there twice in the last two weeks and I should never go back. It's, it's been a lot, yeah, Chicago. a lot yeah, more Chicago, difficult than at, what I'm Chicago market. Yeah. I'm looking at Chicago market right now. It's not even showing, a, uh, not even showing one load. Of the book. It's, it's yeah, showing I mean, a point nine. Yeah. And I, I have a good friend that runs into Wisconsin, and, and he, he's done a lot of freight out of the Chicago market for the last couple of years. He's got a steady run up there, and then he you know, looks for loads to get out. And talked to him this morning, and he said he's never seen it so tough in the last couple of years. You know, and he's got some customers that he's done business with, you know, brokers primarily, and you know, they're, they're, they don't have the freight that they used to. It's been chopped out from underneath them or, you know, someone else has come in and said they'd haul it for less. And so, you know, he's not, not even in the market with rates right now. Well, I know I talked to, uh, Chuck Snow, uh, Chuck Snow was, he was going to join us tonight, but he had, uh, Chuck's been working on building, uh, he's getting ready for his son's wedding and, and, uh, he's been building, uh, trying to get everything prepared, everything they're going to have the wedding up there on the property. And uh, mm -hmm. he had a lot of stuff on his plate tonight, so I, I told Chuck, you know, we'll catch up with him next time. But uh, yeah. he was talking to me about, he, he was speaking to someone, and, and, and they were kind of calling him for some advice, and they were running uh, running it really, a reefer running it on an average of $1.50 a mile with reefer. I'm like, wow. Um and you know he was saying that you know he's making money sometimes, but he's not making you know of course at at a dollar fifty for a reefer. Uh, I mean, 
you know, the maintenance and the upkeep that not only comes along with the truck, but even with the up maintenance and upkeep with the reefer, it's going to be, you're going to run yourself out of business at those kind of rates of moving a reefer load. Yeah. Well, you know, last night I listened to Kenny Long's show, and he had Joe Cox on, or Joe called in, and, and Joe was talking about, and I don't want to say the numbers because I don't remember exactly, but according to Joe, he, he said if you're not upwards of right around $2 a mile in that, you know, in that area, you're really not with a drive-in, and you're really not making a lot of money because when you figure all the expenses and retirement and purchasing your next vehicle and, you know, when you really account for all the expenses, you know, he was talking somewhere upwards of $2 a mile. And, you know, reefers, we all know, are more expensive to operate and more expensive to purchase. And and so, you know, it's it's not not a good market right now, especially in the spot market. So uh, with that, with that being said, uh, does that kind of help? Well, not necessarily help, but does that make you feel like, okay, maybe you ought to start exploring, going to get more direct customers or, or what is, what is it that you, I know you run a little bit of a different operation. I know you kind of at, at the point where, uh, you're not really trying to, um, you know, you're not really trying to take on as far as growing a fleet or anything like that. I know you don't have no. any interest in doing anything like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some, of, some, of the, some of the woes that I've been going through, but, um, you know, um, what, what, what are you thinking about as far as uh, uh, going out trying to find some contract free? Well, I've, I've, re- I've done a lot of thinking about, and see, my, my situation's a little bit different than maybe some. I, I'm based in Kansas, central Kansas, and my wife is living in Arizona taking, helping to care for her aging mother. And so I, I would love to find some kind of a round trip from Wichita area to Phoenix area and back. But so far I've had zero luck, you know, finding anything, especially coming back to Kansas from Arizona. Uh, and my outbound haul, I've been hauling for the same company, the same dairy hauling milk products out to Arizona, but I've gone through four or five different brokerage agents in the last two and a half years to find those loads. Because they every six months, Kroger puts that all out for bid, and whoever gets it has it, and then you have to go and find that load and, you know, just for example, two or three years ago, I started hauling it for nineteen hundred dollars a load, and I know that was that was too cheap even back two three years ago. And I bumped it up all the way to twenty six hundred, which you know was quite a bit better. Well, two three weeks ago, I had it offered to me again at twenty four hundred, and I for a hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars, my pride got in the way, and I didn't take it, and. I've checked again here lately, and the broker that has it says they're not paying a dime more than two thousand. And basically, it was a take it or leave it offer. And mm. you know, I'm hoping that when the produce starts to dry up in Arizona and California, the numbers will come back up a little bit because you know I know that westbound trucks that are trying to get to the California salad bowl. I mean, some of those guys will take anything that moves west at any price just to not have to deadhead back. And, you know, that, that's been the problem with people chasing produce is that eastbound rates go up and westbound rates fall accordingly. And then when the eastbound rates go back down, the westbound rates tend to come back up if you have spot market freight. If you've got dedicated customers, well, then, you know, that's a different story or could be a different story. I mean, I, it all depends on how, you know, I know some, some shippers that during the months of like from May to, to September, October, they put a higher surcharge on their freight coming out of California, and, but they have to lower it going back in. So, you know, it's about a wash for them. Right, right. Well, you know, it, it, it's just interesting. I, I just really find it interesting to try to, um, 
you know, it's always been a fascination of mine to watch how the spot market and everything works. And it's, it's great to try to compare the, um, the information that is, that is put, put out there. Like I said, with actual paid posted invoices, um, and, mm-hmm. and I know DAT does. DAT does with their with their rate information. They do have a way of vetting their their uh, their their numbers and everything. As far as uh, they have to, in order for you to contribute rate information, you actually have to have. Uh, I think it's somewhere in the ballpark of at least before they'll even post a rate, they have to have at least three different companies, uh, and, and they have to have the actual. Uh, the actual bill. I mean, they, they block out the name of the companies and everything, but right. of course, they. But in order for them to even um, put any kind of rate information, that's their bare minimum threshold to uh, to do that mm-hmm. with. Unlike the uh, unlike the USDA truck market report, like we, we've talked about before, I, sometimes the rates on there. If if you if you were to try to go by the rates on there, man, your truck would be sitting a long time because the the rates <laughs> that they post are well, just like. Where in the world are they getting those rates? <laughs> you know, Rico, I don't know if you've read the fine print on the USD truck rate report, but they are saying that is what the shipper is paying the broker. Yeah, that's what I read. For freight. And I, so the broker takes his cut out of, you know, if it says $8,000 from Salinas to Boston, if you get seven, you've probably negotiated a pretty good price. If you get seventy three hundred, you probably have have pretty tight with your broker. You know, so that's that's why I, you know, anytime I look at those USD reports, I automatically discount them about fifteen percent in my mind because I know that's not the rate I'm going to be quoted unless I could get that shipper to, you know, give me somewhere close to what is being quoted. Well, and the reason I say that, I got a direct shipper. Um, I had, a, I think I took the report down, but I had a direct shipper out of Eastern North Carolina coming back to the Atlanta market. At one point in time, they were showing that coming out of Eastern North Carolina to Atlanta, they were showing a rate of like $2,000, and I was not getting nowhere near $2,000. And like I said, this was a direct uh, sweet potato shipper out of Eastern North Carolina coming back to uh Coming back to the public distribution down here in uh, the Cooler, right. Georgia, um, my rate my rate for my direct shipper at that time was somewhere in the ballpark of uh, I think I was getting thirteen hundred, which is which is which is not a bad rate. I mean, it's it's not even five hundred miles, so it's, it's mm-hmm. not a, a terrible rate by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, but it's just a little bit closer to reality. Uh, you know, it's far cry from two thousand. Yeah. Well, I All know right. when. Are you done with me? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you, you, I got, oh, I was gonna say, got a question in, but we got, we got, we got, we got a little time. Okay. Uh, my dad ran a farmer-owned feedlot for many years until he passed away, and the USDA would always send them reports every month. That You know, they would send out a report, and they would always want to know how many cattle he had, you know, how big they were. You know, they were trying to collect information for you know, the the market kind of to predict or to, you know, put out their cattle on feed report, which is the same kind of a thing as their truck rate, you know, produce rate. And most guys that he knew just started throwing them in the trash because they said the information that they're putting out is only used against the producers. It's being used by the big um companies that buy the cattle and, and process them to try to drive the market and manipulate it. And they finally just kind of had a boycott and said, we're not giving the USDA any more information because it's always, anytime a report comes out, it's used against them. And I think, you know, that made the data that the USDA was getting for the cattle on feed report somewhat suspect because they weren't getting accurate data. And I kind of think the same thing with the truck rate report. You know, if if someone hears a high number, do they throw, you know, is it like Olympic judging on like skating or gymnastics where you throw the high and the low out and average the rest so that, you know, you kind of get a more true representation of what is really being done or, or do they take the high and print that and then, you know, put the range somewhere lower? Right, I mean, it, it, right. You know, the data is yeah, only as I, good I, as, as as what you put in. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's part of the conundrum that we're running into. And that's why I try to use conjunction, um, try to use them both in the conjunction with the DAT report so that we can try to identify well, you know, where if reefers are, you know, because reefers and vans compete a lot. And if and if the reefers are holding out to get refrigerated freight, then, then the guys with vans, I think it helps everybody across the board, across all different segments, because you have less uh, reefers leaching into the uh, dry markets, uh, the dry market to get that, mm-hmm. uh, compete with the dry vans to get that freight. So um, it will help, it helps drive up not only the, the reefer rates get to go up, but it also helps drive up the dry van rates, which is, you know, I think if 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 you can find parallels in different markets to get in to find your niche, I think it helps out. Uh, I think it helps both both uh, reefer and uh, dry vans out exponentially, and even sometimes uh, even sometimes flatbeds get in on the on the uh, on the action. Right. Well, especially when you know you see a lot of onions being hauled on flatbeds now that it's warmed right. up, and there you know right. that. Competing against dry vans, actually, because so you know there are not very many dry onions that go on a reefer unless a guy is in an area that doesn't have any reefer freight. Right, right, and, and of course they can get more weight on those dry on on those flat sure. as well. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Bruce, I'm, I got, we got a couple more people who got a question. I'm, I'm gonna try to squeeze them in real quickly. My call, okay. my. Customer calling calling me back and they want me to get more, so I might have to end up wrapping a little early tonight. But uh, I'm gonna try to try to hang on in here and get a couple more calls in. But I appreciate you calling in and your contribution tonight, Bruce. Well, appreciate it. And you know my number. Call me sometime. We can chat off, chat privately too. Yes, definitely, right, definitely. Stay safe out there, Bruce. Thank you. All right, and let's go to Adrian in Dallas, Texas. Adrian, you're on live with Rico. How can I help? Hey, how you doing, Rico? I'm good, and yourself? I'm okay, man. Hey, I just want to make a statement uh, in regards to the spot market freight when it pertains to flatbed. Uh, it is it's it's really down right now, man. Uh, I usually try. To, I'm based out of Dallas, and I usually try to head to head hall areas. You know, say for instance, uh. Uh, Dallas to Birmingham, uh, Dallas to Chicago, and man, the the lows are, are are just not there. The numbers are just not there, you know, this year. So, uh, I can't imagine what it's gonna be like come November, December, when flatbed is out of season. You know. Well, it's saying the reports are saying that it's starting. It's starting to trend upward for flatbeds and. And it's kind of crazy because flatbed at the uh, CMC this past year, I was talking with uh, Mark Montague about what is the magic number for flatbeds as far as the low of the truck ratio. I know for, and what I mean by that is like on dry vans, if if you are in a market that's above a three with a dry van on their low truck ratio, then you are pretty much you have a a pretty good uh, chance of getting closer to the rate that you want to get. And with reefers, the magic the magic number is five. And I right. asked him, I said, well, what's the magic, what's the magic number for, for flatbeds? What's the magic number for flatbeds to get a, to really, really get a really good rate for flatbeds? And the number that he told me actually blew my mind. I, I was like, wow, that's crazy. But he, the number that he told me was the magic number somewhere in the ballpark of 30, a 30 to 1 ratio. So that means that you have, you have to have at least 30 loads to one truck before you actually can start to see that rate start to put some pressure on rates for flatbeds. And I just thought that that was I thought that was crazy, but um, because like when I look at flatbeds, all right, I'm, I'm on I'm on the spot market map right now. I'm looking at you said you were from Dallas, Dallas, Texas, right, right, all right, all right. Right now in Dallas, they're showing it, the the, the, the loader truck ratio is a twenty five point eight. When I move over to Jackson, Mississippi, show you how crazy this number is. I move over to Jackson, Mississippi. It is showing uh, flatbed. 8,500, I mean, I'm sorry, 851 to 1. There's over, there's almost 6,000 loads in the area. There's only, they're only showing seven trucks available in Jackson, Mississippi. Right, right. I don't and know, does, what, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on in Jackson, Mississippi, but that might be a market that you might want to try to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And the, and the thing about those numbers are, is, you have 15 different brokers 
post the same loads, so it kind of it, it kind of inflates the numbers a little bit because I, I, man, it's just been it's been really tough, man, to to to, to get that freight that's two dollars and forty, two dollars and fifty cents a mile, man. It's just extremely tough to get, you know. And uh, I, I listen to you guys, and you guys always speak about um, getting direct, you know, hauling direct for customers. Uh, if you could just touch on some of the requirements for hauling for direct customers, you have different insurance requirements, you know, besides just your uh, automobile liability and your cargo insurance. You know, some direct customers, you know, want you to have a million-dollar general liability or an umbrella policy. You know, I have a opportunity to uh, obtain a direct shipper, but they want me to have an umbrella policy. And just that umbrella policy is an extra $5,700 a year attached on to my policy that I already have, which in turn, it will increase my monthly premium by $500 a month. So who are you you getting that quote through for your umbrella policy? um, Well, I'm actually insured through uh, Great West. But they won't write the ins- they won't write the umbrella policy, so I have to go through a uh my insurance agent has to go through another company that will write the uh umbrella policy. And uh well, actually, what he you was can get, telling, you can get an umbrella you you can get your umbrella policy through through any insurance. I mean whoever you buy your life insurance from like your state farms and stuff like that, you can go to them and actually get a quote on on your umbrella policies and stuff like that. Oh, okay. See, I didn't. You I didn't know that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to go through a commercial agent. That yeah, that because that that price is they're quoting you that much on the umbrella policy. That's a little. That's a little rich right there. Um, but as far as like to go out and, and get you some direct customers, as far as as far as main thing is the same thing that you have. The same thing that you're going to require from a from a broker. This is kind of going to be like a really quick Cliff's Notes version of of of. Uh, what you can do, but the same thing that you're going to require from a broker requires out of you. They're going to want to see your authority. They're going to want to see your insurance. They want to, you know what I'm saying? They may even uh, ask to see, you know, check your CSA scores or whatever. But what I, the thing that I try to recommend to people is start building you a portfolio. Give you a portfolio of the, the basic things that you're going to need and then put anything in that portfolio that's going to help build credibility for you. So if you've got anybody that's, that has uh, given you a recommendation or something like that, or has spoken highly of, of you or whatever, if you have that in a printed format, print that out and kind of create like a little binder or something like that so that you have something to leave with your potential customer when you go in and talk to them. You know, I, I call it building a credibility file. You know, you go in there, you, you got all your basic information in there, you tell them everything it is about yourself, about your company, uh, your, your safety rating, so on and so forth. It's all those different things that you can do to help make someone uh, be impressed with you enough to give you a call back or that, that make them want to do business with you. Um, the biggest thing, of course, is to try to uh, I'll put you. I'm gonna put you back on hold because we got a little bit of background noise. I'm gonna bring you back up in just a second. But um, but yeah, you, you want to try to build through all those different things that you can to try to help you help build credibility for your case and for your company. It also doesn't hurt to go out and have have your um, have your uh, Duns number. Have you have your Duns number set up for that? Also helps build your credibility. Have your uh, website information. The biggest thing is it's it's two thousand. It's twenty fifteen. Um, we all need to have some type of web presence. If you are a business or something like that, you need to have some kind of way to to have an, an electric billboard up on 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 the web at all times so that people have some kind of way. That's kind of like a minimum threshold. Uh, one of the things that I know was talked about at a, at a, a um, the, the National Minority Truck Association event that they had, some of the vendors, the main thing that some of the vendors were talking about was the minimum threshold that they want to have to see with their potential people that they do business with, that they want to see them have a website. If they don't have a website, then they don't really take them seriously as being a uh, potential uh, uh, business partner with them. So just some of those some of those bare minimum things like that to help you. Some of the things that you can use to do to, when you go in and start talking to people. Does that? Uh, um, is it, you have any more questions on, along that line? No, uh, I don't, man. And I appreciate you taking the time to uh, take my call and uh, 
I'm gonna let you get on to the next caller. All right, Aiden. Well, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, tonight, unfortunately, we're not gonna have. Uh, I'm going. I'm getting pressed really hard by my shipper over here. I need to get back in over here and get them taken care of. But tonight, we're not gonna have much time for any more direct calls. But we will. We would like to uh, take this moment in time. We got about ten minutes left in the show anyway. We'd like to take this moment of time to kind of just do a little bit of housekeeping and wrapping up. And giving out a little thanks and everything, of course, we would be remiss in our duties if we did not thank our call screeners for the night. I'm not sure which one of the young ladies down there is actually handling, handling those tasks, but we want to uh, send a special shout-out to the call screener tonight. And also want to remind everybody of the sister shows that come on the Audio Road Network. Uh, catch up with Kenny Long on Tuesdays at, from 7 p.m., the 8 p.m. Uh, Kenny Long Show, Trucking with Authority. And, of course, Racing Lanes every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Friday nights, you can check in with Kim Cochran at Destination Health. And also on Sunday evenings, Rolling Toe with Mike Beckett. Check out Mike Beckett, Rolling Toe on Sunday evenings. And that is the Audio Road Network. And, of course, we'd like to thank everybody, uh, all the members of the Audio Road Network, along with Kevin and Lisa Rutherford, for providing us with the platform and the opportunity to try to bring the show to you. And we want to send thanks out to the entire Let's Truck team. This is Rico Muhammad signing off from you, signing off live here in Atlanta, Georgia, wishing all of you safe travels. Be safe out there. Take it easy and be profitable. We'll talk to you again same time next week. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.